Welcome to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. I'm your host, Mari Reesberg. Over the past several years, I've combined my degrees in acting and somatic psychology to share my sustaining creativity techniques with performers. And now I've decided to share it with a bigger audience that includes you. I believe we are all creative and this podcast is all about that. I'll be interviewing people from all backgrounds, ages, and creativity experiences to share just how creative we all are. Today, I'll be chatting with David Chislett published author, poet, musician, artist, and creativity activator. He's been an entrepreneur for over 25 years, and the link that joins everything in his life together is creativity. Please enjoy David Chislett. Welcome to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. Today, I am chatting with David Chislett. He is a creativity activator, also, I believe, a published poet and author, and I'm so excited to have you joining me for an episode today. So welcome. Hi, Marie. Thank you. Good to be here. Wonderful. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple minutes and letting our listeners know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Sure. All right. Well, now I am a creativity activator. What that means is, is that I use mainly keynote speaking, but also workshops, uh, online presentations and one-on-one coaching sessions to help people to get to grips with their own creativity and to expand and develop it. I believe that everybody is creative, that in fact, it is part of what makes us human, Mm. but mostly we're kind of socialized out of it. So through scientific and neurological research done by other people uh, that I've read, (laughs) Um, I'm able to help people get a better understanding of what it means to be creative and then to develop that using various tools and, well, basically tricks and techniques. I came to this because I've had um, a lifelong obsession with creative acts. I started composing poetry when I was 10 years old. Must have been an awfully pretentious little brat. Uh, Joined rock and roll bands in my teens, managed bands, became a music journalist, did a stint of radio DJing, worked in TV. Uh, I was an actor briefly, um, jeepers, made documentary films, written scripts for TV, worked in book publishing, worked in internet publishing, uh, started my own PR company specializing in music and entertainment clients, uh, and finally transitioned into training, uh, leadership skills, digital media skills, Uh, the business skills required for musicians, you name it. So the kind of red thread of everything I've done over the years has been creativity. Um, I've always been self-employed. I've always worked in a creative field. I've always worked with other creative people. And I began to notice that so many people just don't get it. They, Mm. there's this, wow, like massively powerful cultural myth that a, creativity is for the limited few, the genius types, and B, creativity is art. Um, and then those two things are just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my mission in life to disabuse people of those, of those myths. I love it. And I agree. Everyone is creative. And those myths that you just spoke of, yeah, they're prolific in the world and being able to demystify them or tease them apart for people to make creativity more accessible, I think is incredible. It's what the work that I do as well. And supporting people to recognize that there's so many opportunities to be creative in their life. 
and hearing kind of the things that you have done in your life, I think is a great example. Not, you may not think things are creative, but they actually have a lot of foundation in creativity and, you know, innovation, thinking outside the box, being an entrepreneur in and of itself is being a creative. So thank you for sharing all of that. I really appreciate it. And you briefly kind of talked a little bit about what it means to be creative, but kind of, can you solidify a little bit for us what it means to you to be creative? Yeah, of course. For me, the easiest way to unpack the very complex notion of creativity is to say that it is the process of joining dots. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So where my jump off point is that fundamental to human intelligence is pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. We witness the chaos or the apparent chaos of the outside world and we perceive or project patterns and then we act on those patterns as if they're real and Mm -hmm. we make assumptions based on them and we leap into the future based on those patterns that we perceive. Mm -hmm. Creativity is the process of looking at a pattern and bending it, twisting it, Mm -hmm. taking it somewhere else. It's saying, well, if that's true, maybe this could also be true. Mm -hmm. And those are the dots that I'm talking about joining when you talk about creativity, not just one plus one equals two, that's not entirely creative, uh, but saying, you know, if one plus one is two, then what if? That's where it starts to get interesting. And that is what all human beings do. You know, when you decide what you're going to be when you leave college, when you decide what job you want to have next, you are projecting a mental image of the future and then you're acting as if it's true in order to make it true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, you are creating your yeah. future. So on that level, human beings, we all are creative. We're just not all artists or, or, or Michelangelo or anything exciting like that. Right. Uh, or, or, you know, heaven forbid, Elon Musk. Um, but every single day, we are creating stories about ourselves, creating stories about people near us. And we are quite actively joining dots, which may or may not really belong together, mm-hmm. uh, in order to regulate the world that we live in. Mm, nice. I really like the asking that question, what if, I mean, that's such a beautiful question and such a creativity starter, just asking that simple question. Okay. I'm done with school. I want to do this. Well, what if I could do X, Y, Z, and then we put the pieces together or connect the dots, as you say, of how we make that happen. Right. And it's so powerful because just by saying, if, what if Mm -hmm. we're acknowledging that we're in a fantasy, Mm. So your inner critic doesn't immediately jump out and say, yeah, but you're dumb or you're not rich, or, you're not beautiful, <laughs> or you don't know the right people. Because you you're admitting that you're saying, what if like, well, you know, in an ideal world, um, mm. what if I wanted to do this? How would I get there? And that second step is what's so important is how would I get there? Mm-hmm. And then then it's just eating an elephant after that. You, know, you just <laughs> chop, it in, chop it into lots of little bits and work your way through them. Yeah, it makes it, it takes some of the intensity out of it, the what if and then the how, because I think for a lot of, a lot of us, the what if can feel, or the end result can feel so big and overwhelming. And when we take the little pieces, the digestible bites, 
to how are we going to get there? And along yeah. the way, it may change. And I think that's the beautiful thing too about creativity. It's not necessarily this linear path. It can have twists and turns and yeah. Be a bit- Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> no. I'm getting all enthusiastic here. Yeah, when, when people talk about creativity, they, they, they say basically there's three conditions you've got to meet in order to be creative. Mm. You've got to embrace ambiguity. You've got to embrace complexity and you've got to be open to novelty. Mm. So the big picture often is intimidating because it's ambiguous. It's unknown. It's, oh, yeah. it's huge. And I'm without shadow of a doubt, you very quickly become aware that it's complex. It's not just going to happen overnight. You can't just do one thing. There are many (laughs) steps. You go, Um, and then it's new. Oh, scary. You know, this is me. This is my identity. Uh, These actions fall within the parameters of that identity. Am I now going to step outside there into this new stuff? What does that mean? Oh my God, will I be the same person? And so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And so the what if really allows you to step into that ambiguous place in a a much more sort of psychologically safe way. But it's always crucial to then say to yourself, okay, what one thing can I do tomorrow Mm -hmm. that will put me on that road? And then it's just, the question is then always, okay, what next? What next? What next? It doesn't have to be huge, enormous things. It just needs to continue. You have Mm -hmm. to keep showing up. And that's the, the root of the value of that Woody Allen quote that he says, what well, success is just 85% showing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, what he means is you don't just have to turn up and hang around smoking cigarettes, but you have to keep on showing up in your mission. You have to do something every day yeah. or on a regular basis. You can't expect to be a one overnight success, to be a one hit wonder, mm-hmm. which is of course one of the other pervasive myths about creativity that ta-da, inspiration strikes like a lightning bolt from on high and miraculously out of nowhere, pure genius and perfection emerges. Right. (laughs) You know, it's total rubbish. It's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah. And yet that's kind of how, you know, society portrays it or the media portrays it because we just hear about the the final product of something we don't hear about the journey or the process that someone goes through to get to where they're at so i think yeah there's some misconceptions about creativity and and the genius of creativity or the elite that you said earlier so i think that absolutely shows up and i'm curious you know talking about um you know what it means to be creative and i imagine in the work that you do you come across many blocks or challenges that people experience around creativity and when you work with that how do you face creative challenges 99.999 percent of the time it's us just getting in our own way Mm -hmm. um there's a beautiful john maynard Keynes quote where he says um finding or discovering new ideas is not the challenge letting go of the old ones is oh my gosh yes (laughs) right (laughs) So quite often people are, are challenged, are stuck because they just can't let go of what they're already doing, how they already perceive the world or the results that what they have done have already produced. Mm. And in order to have something new, you've got to let go of the old. Mm-hmm. So it, it's complete cognitive dissonance to say you want to change and then to refuse to do new things or to do different things. <laughs> And yet we all do it because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of those 
uh, idiomatic expressions all actively encourage stasis. Mm-hmm. And psychologically speaking, it feels a lot safer to be static. But we're not built to be static. That's why in 200 years, our society has fundamentally changed from where it came from to where it is now. And trust me, we are not done yet. <laughs> um, yes, we're pattern recognition. And, and yes, we love routines and we love habits. But yes, we just can't stop ourselves from asking, well, what next? And what if we push this button? And uh, and so it goes. So I think often the best way to deal with creative challenges is, is to co- compartmentalize, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. this I'm going to keep for now, but this I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. And then just let it roll. Yeah. So keep what's working and kind of chuck the rest or put it on, put it aside and see if it, shows up later. But I like the piece that you're saying about cognitive dissonance. And it, it makes me think of um, kind of holding two opposing, seemingly opposing truths, like wanting to stay the same and wanting to change. And at some point, one of them is going to have more weight. And that's the one you end up following. But yeah, we talk about that in dialectical behavioral therapy as well, kind of the dialectical tensions we experience with seemingly opposing truths that we can hold simultaneously. Yeah. And in the case of creativity, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's a classic category error Mm. um, because you are not going to change. Your, your habits are going to change. Your actions are going to change. Your outward expression is going to change, which may give the impression from the outside that you have become a different person, but you have not. Hmm. Say more about that. Cause I think a lot of people would assume, Oh no, I am changing and not change hearing what you just said. I brings up yeah. questions up for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I like to say that people don't have personalities rather collections of habits. And if you change oh. the habits, the <laughs> personality changes. Um, but at core, you know, you're still looking out of the same eyes. You're mm-hmm. still looking out of the, the same experiential box. You cannot escape your paradigm. Mm-hmm. You can add to it. You can grow it. But you, just by when you grow, you don't just leave everything you had behind. Right. You're always building on. You're always adding on as much as we'd like to say, well, you know, I've scrapped all of that behavior. <laughs> it's not true. It's, it's all mm-hmm. in there. That behavior, which you don't like anymore, is what's led you to this behavior, which you now like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's Again, I always relate this to the sort of industrial thinking that we've, as a society, adopted since Henry Ford invented the <laughs> assembly line. We, we love this idea that everything's discreet and it fits in a box and a silo and it can be totally separated and filed away and it doesn't impact anything else because mm-hmm. it's not fundamentally connected. It's like a Newtonian, a Newtonian worldview of cause and effect mm-hmm. and discrete objects acting on each other without any sense of relationship. But quantum science is telling us that that is not true, has never been true and cannot possibly be true. Everything is an open-ended system and everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I sound like Dirk Gently, but everything <laughs> is. And when it comes to our sense of identities, it's psychologically, I feel so much more healthy to look at it like that, to mm-hmm. realize that it's a, it's a rolling process of interconnection rather mm-hmm. than opening and closing silo doors. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense that we're constantly 
moving and shifting and learning new things and letting go of things and, you know, that it isn't so linear or logical as many people want it to be or feel it is. So that reminder is really, I think, helpful that it's not necessarily going to look, it won't, not necessarily, it won't look the same for everyone. Everyone's going to have their own experience of, of that rolling along in life and changing habits and growing and expanding their personalities. Yep. Nice. Indeed. I wonder, I mean, you strike me as someone who having started poetry writing at 10, what is your earliest memory of being creative? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not a memory that I had at that time thinking, oh, I'm being creative, but it's like looking back at my childhood. I mean, uh, my older sister had a Barbie and of course I had a little, you know, action man, Mm -hmm. um, a little man doll who of course had an army uniform. And I was constantly making stuff for him because, Mm. you know, growing up, we didn't, we were a big family. We didn't really have much disposable income. So, so buying accessories for Action Man was kind of out of the question. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to sew so I could make him like like cool army outfits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I built him forts out of, you know, whatever, flower pot frames and, and bits of old wood and what have you. And, and we'd, this would have been from the ages of like eight, I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, until into my early teens when I was still playing with Action Man, but then we were building chlorine bombs and setting them alight <laughs> and blowing him up, which was <laughs> somewhat more destructive than creative, <laughs> but anywho. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, I think play, you know. Yeah. People love to say, you know, comment on the creativity of children in play. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely true. And it's it is one of the I can't even think of a strong enough word, tragedies of the human condition that because of the way we choose to socialize ourselves, we lose play. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it starts, it does look different in adulthood, but I think it's still, I think it's still there, you know, with the, I just, if you've ever been to a comic con or, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, exactly. I mean, that's but, but, adult but what does version. the rest of society say about comic con? You know, nerds, overgrown kids, you right. know, it's extremely negative, mm-hmm. you know, and yet without the nerds of comic con, we wouldn't have Facebook. We wouldn't have iPhones. We wouldn't, you know, the list just goes on. Our world is actually at the mercy of highly creative people. And yeah. yet we're reading rude and nasty about it the whole time. It's yeah. talk about cognitive dissonance, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, it's a fascinating, the, the box that society wants to put really creative people in and contain them. I think part yes. of it is, because they're kind of scary or scared of the potential of where they could take society or where they could take innovation. And so by keeping the lid on it gives people, they don't, they aren't able to flex as widely those creative muscles. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Which is why the Bible remained in Latin and Greek for centuries. (laughs) 
which is why doctors and lawyers still speak in Latin so that you can't take charge of your own body or your own legal affairs. Mm. Um, and it's pretty much why the powers that be talk about creativity the way it is, so that we mm -hmm. can't take charge of our own lives and create our own destinies, because we actually all can. Mm -hmm. But we just, oh, I'm not creative enough to do that. And we just give up. Yeah. Yeah, that those limited thinking interjects that we have are so, so powerful, whether we tell them to ourselves, whether we have someone else say it to us or something years and years ago, and we just recall it and keep playing that tape over and over and over. So yep. power of words, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> us believing or not believing or changing them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just, you know, what am I trying to say? So many people are creative and pushing boundaries and we don't necessarily hear about them, but they yeah. inspire so much of so many systems and so many things that we use in our daily life. I'm curious what or who inspires you these days? Oh, these days. Wow. I don't know. I read a lot, right? So yeah, uh, I've been really getting into the neuroscience of, of, mm. uh, of creativity and I've become a huge fan of Dr. David Eagleman. Mm -hmm. um, I read his book, uh, The, oh my God, The Runaway Species, fantastic. <laughs> like, I mean, it's all about creativity and it's just, it, wow, brilliant. Just real hard science for the stuff mm -hmm. that I intuitively always felt about mm -hmm. creativity. I'm like, oh look, he can prove it, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> And I've got his new his new book, Live Wired, I think, which I haven't started yet. It's kind of on the pile. Mm -hmm. So uh, I find it may sound weird, but I find science enormously inspiring for creativity. Mm -hmm. I, I find the fact that because science isn't, again, it's not Newtonian anymore. It's not dry. It's nuts. Like the quantum universe is insane. It's <laughs> ambiguous. It's complex. And everything's always new. It It is creativity in in. In, it, in its expression. Um, yeah. And I find that enormously exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not as much as into music as I used to be, which is kind of weird. Like, I don't, I think, you know, popular music is going the way of stone carvers, you know. Back when they were building cathedrals, stone carvers were like the rock stars of the world because look what they got to do. And now mm -hmm. you're consigned to maybe doing gravestones every now and then. And I think popular music is going the same way. The commoditization of music is reducing the, the a cultural impact of music and mm. to wallpaper music. Mm -hmm. uh, no one really gives a damn anymore, uh, which, I, you know, because I grew up in a very different world, I find an enormous pity. But at the same time, I, it's just one of those cultural cycles. You know, something else will take its place. Yeah. Or it'll come back around again. Another with... 400 years. So. <laughs> sure. Or I don't know. I feel like yet today's youth, they aren't, everything is so accessible and easy. Click of a button. It's not something that you have to go find or it's a tangible object like a record or a tape or a CD yeah. It can just be easily, immediately obtained. Right. So you don't feel so strong about it anymore. And, mm -hmm. that's, and that's the difference. And I think it's, it's really important that we accept that yeah. and move on instead of whining about it on forums and stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. I can appreciate that. And I think, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fun still to, I don't know, I collect <laughs> records and stuff from thrift stores and it's always fun to find old things and 
kind of reintroduce myself to it. So I appreciate that aspect of it. I'll never forget nearly 20 years ago when my then 13-year-old nieces um, <laughs> announced that they discovered the most amazing music and dragged me into the living room to put on this record. And it was The Doors. <laughs> I was like, uh, girls. <laughs> this is not new. <laughs> But how wonderful that moment of them feeling like, oh, we found this great thing. We want to share it. That yeah. That's a beautiful, like, yeah, wanting to share some creative, something that they felt with someone else. I think that's yeah. a, no, part it was of, cool. a part of it too. Nice. I love, yeah, I love all of the neuroscience pieces as well and how they're they're really showing up to support or not showing up. They've been around for a while, but they're finally becoming a little more mainstream where people can understand the concepts a little better and how they really inform our creativity and how they can support our creativity. So it doesn't feel, I guess for me, it doesn't feel so nebulous of like trying to explain why creativity is important. Now there's some science to back it up to say like, yeah. oh, here's actually why it's important for you. And then, yeah, it feels more legitimized, I guess, on some level for certain parts of the world and countries. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it horrible that, that the both of us feel that that's important? Um, <laughs> but yeah, exactly that, because it is important because mm -hmm. again, you know, my biggest thing is that I want to change the world. You know, I, I, yeah. I look at what's happening in our world all over the place um, and it's like, this is not good. This is not right. Mm -hmm. This kind of polarized black and white, yes, no, right, wrong thinking does not reflect the scientific reality that we inhabit. Mm -hmm. The fact that social and social media forces and educational forces and, and so on have led us to the juncture in time where so many people are essentially um, radicalized mm -hmm. to one side of the political spectrum or another is a massive failing of our civilization. Mm -hmm. And creativity literally is the answer mm -hmm. because creativity is not about certainty. It's not about black and white. It's about ambiguity. It's about many different answers and it's about moving on, not about standing on your fort to fight for what you already have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and like so, that image. For that level. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just made it up now. Um, and that for me is why creativity is so important. That's why I've got this, this little slogan. Hang on a second. Yeah. Rebel, reject, create, or rebel. Sorry. <laughs> because that's what you've got to do. You've got to rebel mostly mm -hmm. against your own ways of thinking and the things that you accept. Mm. You've got to reject the status quo. And you've got to create, you've got to, you can't just run around burning stuff down. You've got to come with something better. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really important distinction of like, it's not about just getting rid of, it's about creating and in the creation, the old things will fall away or be set aside, but it's not just to get rid of it and have nothing. <laughs> Right. And, you know, a, a good example of, of how that works is the music industry. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in the 90s, the MP3 was invented. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Right. Which, which revolutionized the music business. It basically mm -hmm. meant that 
physical records were no longer possible, uh, necessary. Of course, they were possible. <laughs> but the recording industry, the record companies, didn't realize that that was, well, they did realize, ha, they realized that this was the death of their business model. Mm-hmm. And so instead of embracing that as being inevitable, which it was, they spent decades trying to kill it. Right. The net result is that nearly all of them have gone out of business. From mm-hmm. all of the major labels that existed at the end of the 80s, there are now essentially only two left on the entire mm-hmm. planet because they did not understand that the moment a new technology emerges into the marketplace, your old business model is obsolete. Yeah. And they, you know, they're doing a better job of it now. But basically, the music industry is in the state that it is now because Steve Jobs, a tech guy, (laughs) went to the record labels and said, hey, here's my thing. It's called an iPod. And you can put all your music on there, but you've got to give me a really good deal. Mm -hmm. And that deal was so bad for artists that we're still seeing the effects Digital Mm -hmm. music is still so underpriced. Artists cannot make a living. And Spotify came along and did the same thing, except Mm -hmm. worse. Mm -hmm. And it's all because the formal music industry, when given the chance, didn't embrace the technology and make it their own. Mm -hmm. They try to pretend it wasn't there. Yeah. Man, I mean, that just, that statement of pretending that something isn't there that actually is, is just seems like so counterintuitive to moving forward in an industry or, and, and yet industries continue to do it. It's not something that right. they, right. yeah. Yeah. They're still building mega malls all around the world. Right. And yet we all know that probably in the next five years, carbon printing at home is going to be a thing. Mm. <laughs> So instead of going to the mall, you'll log on to that shoe shop and you'll put your foot on your scanner and it'll measure your foot exactly. You'll choose the style shoe. You'll pay for the pattern, which will be downloaded to your carbon printer, which will then print your shoe up. Goodbye mall. Goodbye warehouses. Goodbye delivery services. Goodbye shopping clerks. (laughs) Goodbye an entire value chain. And yet they're still building them. Yeah. I mean, I think... Even you just saying that whole series, that process, in my own head, I have like, really? Is that really going to happen? Like, there's questions of like, that can't possibly be how you're going to get a pair of shoes. So I think there's some, we want to hold on to the, what we know as normal, what we know as familiar, and to have it go away I think is, yeah. is really challenging for so right. many people. This is what Alan Gannett refers to as the creative curve. You know, mm. your, your idea can be just too far away from what we already know to be acceptable. And then everyone will just go, no, 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 no. Yeah. So if you want your new inspirational business to take off, it's got to be different enough to be noticed, but not so different that it's scary. There's a yep. sweet spot that, that you've got to hit. That is that sweet spot which many people can find and I think is really challenging also at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, isn't it? I mean, they're carbon printing houses, they're carbon printing space rockets. Mm -hmm. Oh, but they can't carbon print shoes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, 
it's, it's a new, it's, it's inviting people to think creatively, to think what is possible. What right. if we could carbon print shoes? What yeah. if, and by holding that, I think it takes some of the intensity out of like, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. That's way right. too advanced or that won't happen in my lifetime. Thinking patterns. Yep. So <laughs> we've spent 200 years training ourselves to be like machines in the way that we think, work and educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. At the same time, while fine tuning machines to pretty much be able to do everything that we were trying to become machines to be able to do. Hey. So now the challenge is to stop all of that nonsense. Let the machines get on with all that horrible dog work that is degrading and, 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 and inhuman and badly paid and disgusting. And do what? Mm. And that's yeah. the leap. You know, that's the leap. That's where everybody needs to have a proper education so that everybody's got loads of jots they can join so that everybody can become truly creative and make their own way in the world mm -hmm. because the machines will be doing all of the making of the food and the things. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's terrifying, right? Everyone's like, oh, yeah. but, 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 but what about my status? What about my place in society? What about my... But it's the only way forward. I mean, why else are we doing all this stuff? <laughs> to maintain, to maintain what is, not what could be. I Command think. and control. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know, that the comparison too. like, well, it's worked before. It should still work now. So we compare ourselves to people of the past, or we compare things that we're doing to things that have happened before or and that keeps us in that status quo, but it also keeps us from trying our new ideas out because, oh, what if someone doesn't like it? Or what if it's too, it, people don't understand what I want to do? How can I, you know, that sweet spot that you were talking about yeah. is missed. <clears throat> well, my goodness, this is <laughs> a whole new way to think about creativity, peeps. Um <laughs> But I love it. I think it's it's so important to talk about creativity in this way because it's it's not just performing artists. It's not just art. It's it's all of the things. It's all of industry. It's all of science. It's all of living and humanity and the things that we're moving forward to. Yes. It's using a butter knife to tighten the screw on your loose door handle. Perfect. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not what a button knife's made for. So you have to exercise creativity to even think you could do that, right? Right. There's one of your, like an everyday issue that you've had to use creativity to solve. Repurposing a butter knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think I, you know, using coffee filters, if you don't have paper towels to clean oh, a mirror. A I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's it another fun creative approach but when you know I mean hearing you talk about the science of things and all of the new pieces that are kind of falling into place or not necessarily falling into place but showing up I wonder when you think about community and the communities that you mm. you know come in and out of how do these communities influence your own creativity Sure. More and more than they ever used to. I, 
you know, I, I've had a terrible tendency to not play with others for most of my life. Um, you know, which now, as I look back, I can see has had a, a, a demonstrable effect on outcomes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've done an enormous number of things, but not one of those things has ever gone beyond a certain point, mm-hmm. had, had more than a certain kind of impact. And it's because I limit my reach. I have mm. always limited my reach by insisting on doing absolutely everything on my own by myself. Yeah. And again, Alan Gannett, oh, I really love that book of his, The Creative Curve. Uh, he, he talks about the fact that in his research for the book, and he spoke to loads of different kinds of creative people, artists, mm-hmm. sports people, entrepreneurs, inventors, tech heads, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He said it emerges from the research that every single kind of top-end creative has a community around them which consists of, at the very least, four pillars. Hmm. Um, there's a conflicting collaborator. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a prominent promoter. Uh, there is a modern muse and there is a master teacher. Mm. So there's someone from whom you're learning. There's someone who's out there pimping your ass to the world. There's someone in there who doesn't exactly agree with everything you say and is prepared to fight with you about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and there is a source of inspiration, a connection to purpose, a big answer to the question why that keeps you getting up every day when you get smacked in the nose the night before. Mm-hmm. And if you have all four of those things in your community, your chances of being successful as a creative human being in a creative endeavor skyrocket. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What a formula <laughs> yeah. to have. <laughs> <laughs> so communities, and again, let's go back to the myths. The starving artist in his turret. Right. Locked up, creating alone, mm-hmm. only emerging when perfection is attained. Oh, Right? Yeah. How many lonely teenagers have essentially ruined their chances of success by following that outdated romantic fantasy about what it means to be creative? Mm-hmm. Too many to count. In other words, how many enemy combatants have been removed from the field of engagement by just one piece of propaganda? Yeah. Millions. Millions. <laughs> and so this idea of the fact that creativity cannot exist in a vacuum and requires community is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. All the major art movements of the 20th century occurred in community. Yeah. Cubism, futurism, pointerism, uh, you know, you name it, expressionism, blah, blah, blah. They were all fighting with each other about what everything meant every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. And as a result, their work improved. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and now we've got Facebook where you can't disagree because if you disagree, you're the enemy because it's black and white. Mm, I'm either mm-hmm. right or I'm wrong or, or right. you're wrong. There's no like, oh, nuance. Mm-hmm. Let me try. Let me engage. Let me. There's none of that. It's just that kind of thinking is being shut down. I think it comes back to some education piece that you were talking about earlier. You know, I don't know that we as a society have the skills of communication have drastically changed. Well, there's that, but the ability to think has been Mm -hmm. severely impacted. Yeah. People tend to follow a train of thought to the station they like the look of and stop. Yep. Instead of riding it to its terminus and finding out what it actually means. Mm -hmm. Because we're lazy, because we're addicted to confirmation bias, to... Uh, you know, to quick outcomes, to to easy access, to quick fixes. Mm-hmm. 
because, you know, hello, that's, you know, Big Mac burger, 99 cents and 30 seconds. That has become our expectation of reality. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's fake. It's yeah. not how anything works. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't think people recognize, I mean, people clearly don't recognize that or they don't have someone telling them, you know, actually let's take that idea a little further and see what the natural ending is. And maybe we agree with it and maybe we don't, but let's actually follow it to the complete yeah. end. By disallowing people from that kind of thinking, you are essentially keeping the Bible in Latin. Mm. that is the political strategy behind it wow keeping people in subservience and ignorance by encouraging polarization by encouraging extremism Mm -hmm. that's powerful to think how creativity is it's so scary that it has to be capped in this way yeah, because you can't, I mean, speak to any business manager in a, in a company. You, you can't manage creative people. It's impossible. You never know what they're going to do, which impacts bottom line because yeah. uh, they, they can't be micromanaged. Because how do you put a value on a 45-minute brainstorm session? Right. <laughs> well, how do you put Great question. On, yeah. How do you put a valuable on a, on a foosball table in a playroom where half of your staff spends three hours one day, but then they come up? with a concept in the following weeks that makes the company billions, mm-hmm. you know, a traditional manager would never have allowed that three hour session. Right. Because they can't control it because they can't break it into units. It can't be measured. It mm. can't be monetized. Yeah. I think you've had the, the control piece is so ingrained that everything needs to be controlled and look a certain way that when you want to have three hours of foosball to get out of your head to do whatever it is to cultivate something new. You're right. You can't control it. You can't say, Oh, this will produce X, Y, Z, but we need to play foosball for three hours. (laughs) Right. But listen to what you just said. You see control assumes that we know we are going to reproduce X, Y, Z. Right. So you control to get that result. Mm -hmm. But when you want a different result, when you want a new result, you don't know what to control because you don't know what the new X, Y, Z is. Yeah. Which is scary for a lot of people and a lot of bottom lines. Yeah. So it makes sense. I mean, yeah, totally. And it sounds like you're ready to shake it up and change the world. And well, say, that's the plan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, how would you encourage others to find creativity in their lives if they don't feel like it's there or present? First of all, you need to make time. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're too busy just going through the tasks, ticking the boxes, that's great. But I mean, you're probably doing it on autopilot by now. You need to clear space, even if it's just half an hour, every single workday where you're just going to think and spitball and say, hey, what if? And Google and go down the rabbit hole and watch lots of stupid YouTube videos. Because all of this stuff will take you out of your automated pattern thinking tendencies and Mm -hmm. give you a whole bunch of interesting new dots with which to compare to what you already know. And that's Mm -hmm. how creativity works. You're constantly comparing things and asking, hey, does this fit with that? No, maybe this does. Oh, well, let's go and see. But you've got to take the time and create the space where that is allowed and, Mm. and 
like anything else in life, you can't just do it once every two months. You've got to do it as regularly as possible mm -hmm. because you will get better at it and the results that come out of it will become more impressive and more usable and, and more fun and just, just overall better. Yeah. So make the space and give yourself the permission to just do stuff that most people would not see any value in. Mm, nice. Excellent. Yeah. I love it. I think it's, cool. yeah, it's super important that especially creating the space or giving yourself the space and time to, to just dream or daydream or allow your thoughts to wander. And like you said, go down the Google rabbit hole and watch videos and be inspired and, you know, figure out how things connect for you and <clears throat> how to then bring them to life. I think that's super important. And yeah, I think we don't allow ourselves because if we're not productive or what our idea of production is, it's really hard to say, oh, I'm taking 30 minutes to think. <laughs> yeah, we're obsessed with efficiency, not with efficacy. Mm -hmm. And quite often by being too efficient, you forget the efficacy. And so you need to take time out to figure out if something's actually being effective. Right. Rather than efficient. Yeah. Oh, so good and so hard for so many people. <laughs> I love it. Well, I have one final question for you, and that yeah. is, what is your secret to creativity? Wow. I make time, mm. and I'm constantly casting about for new dots, which means I read books I wouldn't ordinarily read. Uh, out of the fields that I'm ordinarily interested in, I, I I speak to all sorts of people. I don't really care whether what they're what they're doing. I'm always interested in how it works and why. Mm. I'm constantly doing my best to gather as many dots from as far afield as possible. Um, yeah, I think that's basically it. Nice. Yeah, gathering information. That yeah. sounds like. Oh, but wait! But there's another thing actually because. <laughs> Uh, the backbone of that is a core competency, a skill which I've been honing for like 30 years. Mm. You know, I, I can write. And I've spent mm. so long doing that, that when I'm doing all this other fluffy, interesting, creative, wild stuff, the one thing I don't have to worry about is whether I can express it properly in writing because mm. that's taken care of. Mm -hmm. So all of the exploring and dot acquiring and time making isn't going to help if you don't have a firm skill set to drive the creative process through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To connect the dots. Right. Yeah. The connection engine has got to be there. Yeah. Nice. I love it. My goodness. Well, it has been such a pleasure to chat with you. And if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing or get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Easy. DavidChislett.com. <laughs> You can sign up for my newsletter. There's a contact form. You can drop me an email. There are tons of blogs, articles about creativity there, videos about my keynote speeches, and that's the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to engage with some practical information and get tips from all over the place, I'm also the co-founder of the Playful Creative Summit, mm. which takes place from the 21st of April, 2021. It's free and it's online and it features games, play, and creative professionals from all sorts of industries and there's 45 speakers every year and there's a host of information about creativity and play that you can access there and that's just playfulcreativesummit.com awesome 
Well, I will definitely be checking that out because that sounds fantastic. And what a great free opportunity on the internet with more creative people. So wonderful. Well, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. It's been awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. We'd love to keep in touch, so like us on Facebook and Instagram. We are Sustaining Creativity. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tag your friends and your family so they can listen too. We love to hear from you, so leave your comments, reviews, and questions. Tune in Tuesdays for a new episode. And remember, with creativity, anything's possible.